This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. My guest is Jennifer Reich, author of two books and editor of two more. Her book, Calling the Shots, Why Parents Reject Vaccines, was published five years ago. And today, with COVID everywhere, it's more pertinent than ever. She is a professor of sociology at University of Colorado, Denver, and the mother of three children. Jennifer, welcome to Book Talk. Thanks so much for having me. Why did you choose this topic? You know, I started thinking about when why parents don't vaccinate their kids right after 9-11. And I was uh, working at a medical school campus, and there was a new concern about the idea of bioterrorism and the idea that something like a smallpox virus could be taken from a laboratory and weaponized against the public. And we saw a whole bunch of new kinds of legal responses, including the creation of something called an emergency use authorization. It's taken on a much sizable, more sizable role currently. It was that, that I was watching people I knew who were healthcare provided against a disease that's been eradicated. And at the same time, I had young children and I was watching parents discuss whether or not childhood vaccines were really necessary. And that combination seemed so interesting to me that I started thinking this was a really interesting opportunity to try to understand how parents understand what it means to be a good parent and how to evaluate risk and benefit in their daily lives when it comes to their children. What are the reported bad side effects from childhood vaccinations? You know, it's, I always try to highlight that we have no intervention in the world that's 100% safe. The thing about childhood vaccines that's different than other pharmaceutical products is we give vaccines to healthy people to prevent a hypothetical. And that's really different than thinking about a pharmaceutical product that treats an illness or something like chemotherapy, which is incredibly toxic, but has the best chance of, of curing cancer. Vaccines are really different. And the result of that is that we expect vaccines to be exquisitely safe, that if we are going to introduce any risk to a healthy body, it has to be the most minimal risk possible and justified by the benefit. And so there's um, a very tiny number of adverse reactions that can happen. It turns out our compensation systems that were developed in the 1980s were to compensate individuals and families who were harmed by vaccines were really created after the whole cell pertussis controversy in the 1980s and were really intended to compensate families of young children who participated in public health and were somehow harmed. It turns out very little compensation these days goes to children and that, in fact, the most measurable side effects of, um, or adverse outcomes of vaccines have really been for adults. And we've seen those with things like influenza vaccine. But in general, childhood vaccines are very, very safe and uh, have a long, well-earned track record of being effective in preventing disease. And until recently, we've all been able in many ways to take for granted that we can agonize about the pros and cons of individual vaccines and do what we feel is best for our children because we haven't faced widespread infectious disease. I mean, my book came out just after a measles outbreak at Disneyland in 2019 was a really bad measles year. And that was still only a few thousand cases nationally. So, you know, until COVID, I don't think any of us had a sense of what it would feel like to really be afraid to send your children to school and fear for their safety. You know, what I find in my work is that always have a small number of parents or individuals who never want a vaccine under any circumstance, who might be defined as anti-vax, although they usually don't call themselves that. But what I'm also interested in is the larger number of American parents 
who don't consent to vaccines, but don't define themselves as opposed to vaccines. And so that group that's often called vaccine hesitant is much more interesting. You know, prior to COVID, we saw as many as 30% of American parents intentionally delaying or skipping childhood vaccines for their children, um, selecting sums, changing the timing, rejecting others, and creating their own schedules that were different than those recommended by the CDC and the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. And that is a much larger group and a much more interesting question. So it's not a fringe position, but in fact represents a sizable concern that a huge number of parents were sharing. And so I uh, I study both in my book. I mean, I, I write about parents who reject all vaccines and say they never believe vaccines are ever necessary. But I also look at families where they have different vaccines for each child in their family, or they may have one child who's unvaccinated one who's partially vaccinated and a third who's gotten a select other group of vaccines. And I think that's really important because what I find is that parents take each child as unique and having different vulnerabilities and different needs and having different possible benefits of vaccines. And as a result, they customize and personalize vaccines in a way that's not what's intended by public health campaigns, but feels really important to parents. Much better description. What are some of the common characteristics of the vaccine hesitant? You know, I think I joke that I was studying vaccines before it was sexy. Um, You know, that we weren't as interested in talking about vaccine hesitancy until recently, and everyone now has an opinion about it. I think the impulse is to think of vaccines as somehow different than the rest of our lives. And vaccines are just another choice we make on a daily basis for our health. And what I find is really important is that There's nothing unusual about parents who reject vaccines. In fact, they're drawing on cultural themes that are actually quite logical. So we've really laid out in the last couple decades an understanding of what it means to be healthy as a series of personal choices. And we think that individuals are responsible for their own health and assume that if people become sick, it's probably because they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. oversold absolutely the power of personal responsibility, when in fact, most of disease is a combination of genetics, environment, and bad luck. Most of it's far beyond individual control. But that's not the way we talk about health promotion. It's not what, you know, all of the apps that you can download that count your calories, count your steps. It's not what the magazines tell you. In fact, we really believe it's a personal choice. And in a lot of the same ways, we do the same thing to parenting. So we've really defined good parenting as a series of individual consumer choices. And that's promoted to parents everywhere they go. You know, if you think about school choice, the travel, you know, picking the right tutoring program or summer camp or soccer team, making agonizing decisions about every meal, trying to figure out how to get your kids to eat a rainbow a day, right? We've translated um, the responsibilities in parenting to a series of personal choices and and it's exhausting amount of work, but it also uh, isolates parents and makes them believe that these each of these choices is really important. And I suggest that taking these two cultural threads together has perfectly laid the groundwork for vaccine hesitancy because now vaccines are another kind of consumer choice and parents take it very seriously, just like they do all of their other choices for their children. And they don't trust experts to decide what's best for their families when they know their family best. What do you hope listeners learn from your book and your work? I think for people who support vaccines and think vaccines are important, I think it's important to try to understand where people who don't trust vaccines are coming from. 
And, and I've, I've yet to find an example where calling people stupid or ignorant has ever persuaded them to change their behaviors or decisions. And so that's just not a productive place to start the conversation. And I think for parents who are concerned about vaccine safety, who feel uncertain if they can trust the regulatory agencies, you know, who don't know that vaccines are entirely safe or don't know that they're really necessary for those families, I think it's really important to, to also take a moment to consider how each of us has children that are part of communities and part of networks and have classmates who are vulnerable and have a role to play. I would say that one of the things I was really surprised to learn in my research is how well regulated and evaluated vaccines are. We have multiple systems of safety that monitor things like HMO records to look for an uptick in emergency room visits or nurse advice calls after immunization. And those provide safety signals that then get rapidly evaluated. Mm -hmm. Think about the Johnson and Johnson pause that we saw early on. There's something amazing about the fact that something like 15 cases out of several million were identified within two weeks. That doesn't happen with any other pharmaceutical product. And that's because we have multiple data systems looking for safety signals. And those systems are not well known. They're not well understood. They're not entirely transparent. I don't even think pediatricians are particularly good at explaining them. And it was helpful for me to understand that there's a trustworthiness to the way the systems are built to make sure that that expectation that vaccines remain exquisitely safe is is upheld. And I think that's important for people to understand and think about um, as they make their own decisions for their families. Well, thank you. My guest is Jennifer Reich, author of Calling the Shots, Why Parents Reject Vaccines, published by New York University Press. This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. Thank you. My pleasure.